Yeah, man. <laughs> let's kill that bass head. Alright, let's do this. I'm on the air, we on the air, we got this pockets flow. It's me and Tony on the mics, we gotta let you know. Of current events, little gaming, sprinkling some entertainment. We stay humble, but our mom still thinks we're famous. Turn up the bass and baby, maybe let that magic flow. Our spoken word is all the things you really wanna know. Having a good time on the show, T Bows and Maddie G. Tune in and hit subscribe and join us on the FAP. Welcome back, everybody, to the Freaking Awesome Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Bowes, and as you can see, uh, Maddie G could not join us uh, today, but that is okay because we have a wonderful surprise show ahead of everybody. Uh, we have uh, one man, uh, of course, is uh, has been on almost what I call the golden era of all television programming. Uh, <laughs> my yeah. my favorite time to yeah, <laughs> my favorite time of television. We've got actor, director, screenwriter, the amazing. Ted Lang. Ted, thank you very much for joining us today. Happy to see you, Anthony. Thanks. Uh, so uh, before we jump into to too much today, I because we've got, uh, of course, Valentine's Day coming up, and this is a, a little bit of uh, love going out to all our uh, fans today. Uh, we've, of course, uh, you being on The Love Boat, which, of course, was uh, back, in, back in its time, the show uh for budding romance so uh we are cocking yeah, that was the romance show of the day it was it was so of course we have got uh lots of things about love to talk about and uh one of the things i want to start off with uh, over the years some of the crazy things people have done in the name of love and um you know i was going through this list and i gotta tell you some of these things are bizarre so um let's just jump right into it uh, these are the top 11 things people have done for love over the last few years. Uh, the first one is fake your own death. So uh, a Ooh. gentleman, I know a gentleman by the name of uh, Alexei Baikov, uh, of course, wanted to ensure that his future bride would take the whole uh, until death do us part completely serious. See, so uh, he worked with uh, a team of filmmakers to help him fake his own death. And uh, right in front of his girlfriend, of course, of, of all the things. So he created a elaborately planned choreographed wedding proposal where um, what happened was he, he had arranged there to be a large car accident and a whole bunch of mangled cars and everything everywhere. And uh, his uh, his soon to be uh, fiance, of course, had um, shown up on the scene to find him lying on the pavement covered in blood with paramedics, uh, paramedics trying to resuscitate him and telling her that he had indeed died. And uh, while she was bursting into tears, he sprung up and said, will you marry me? <laughs> so, you know, I'm amazed that she didn't kill him herself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. My goodness. Right. So uh, I, I don't even know if that is like a, like a brilliant uh, romantic thing or just just something to literally. I, I mean, I guess if you if you can go through that. He sounds like a Stephen King fan. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. It's, that's a horror. You know? <laughs> I, a horror. Right. I mean, if you could go through that, I, I can only imagine the rest of life will be totally fine together. So. <laughs> Yeah. The next uh, thing someone has done crazy is to cohabitate with a corpse. Now, this one is bizarre, but let me tell you, this one uh, again is about the whole till death do you part. 
And what happened was uh, Carl Tanzler was a radiologist who was charged with wantingly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing the body without authorization. So this really went back to uh, the fact that he had worked on uh, this young lady while uh, she had died, of course, of tuberculosis. And um, while he was caring for her, they had fallen madly in love and he shared how he felt about her. And uh, she also reciprocated and said that she loved him as well. Uh, I guess they'd spent quite a large amount of time uh, trying to cure her. And unfortunately, to no avail, he had not. So when she had passed away, uh, seven years later, he dug up her body to basically reside with her because he could not live without her. Now, this is a really weird twist of like Romeo and Juliet. And so instead of him taking his own life, which thank goodness he didn't, to be with her, he went the opposite way and just brought her to him. Um, You know, the fact And that's where the term... And that's where the term necrophilia was invented. <laughs> right. I can only, you know, I, like, I, I can only imagine what was going on there. And then, um, you know, luckily, of course, uh, he was found out, uh, arrested and charged. So um, I, I don't know if that is a happy By ending. her parents. <laughs> right. I don't know if that is a happy ending, but it is definitely an ending. <laughs> the, uh, the third thing, uh, to rob a Waffle House. So, uh, you know, some people uh, forget about uh, breakfast in bed, but uh, Marquise Baldwin had uh, basically decided to bring you the entire Waffle House. Well, at least it's cast register. So uh, he had gone and uh, the 22 year old Pensacola resident was arrested on four counts of armed robbery. And uh, basically after he held up uh, a series of Waffle Houses. And he was not only saving the money for a rainy day, like he wasn't keeping it. He was actually using it to pay his girlfriend's probation fees. So, you know, most most people don't know this, Anthony, but he would also rob Kentucky Fried Chicken houses (laughs) so he could have chicken and waffles. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. There is a place uh, where I live that that does chicken and waffles. And honestly, I thought it was a joke. I didn't realize that chicken and waffles was a real big thing. And uh, I got to tell you, curiosity is taking over. I kind of feel like I need to try chicken and waffles. (laughs) So, oh, you have to. Do you know where it comes from? No, I don't. I happen to be a, a student of theatrical history. There is a, a a famous actor named Paul Robeson. Have you ever heard of him? I can't say though. No, I have no. Okay, you'll have to go on YouTube. Robeson, R O B E S O N. Paul Robeson did Othello mm-hmm. back in the 1940s. I think it was like 1945. Okay, and it was on Broadway. And people would come see him. He was very famous. He was in the film Showboat. And he was one of our black heroes as far as acting was concerned. And so people would come backstage and they'd see him, actors of the day in the 1940s. And they'd go out drinking and hanging out and partying. And towards like 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, he would feel like breakfast. But at the same time, he would also feel like a late night dinner. So there was a restaurant up in Harlem that he would go up to Wells. uh, I I think it was called Wells, W-E-L-L-S. He'd go up there. They'd leave the key for him, and they would batter up some chicken. And what he would do is he would go in there, pick out the chicken. They'd leave some uh, batter for uh, waffles, and he would have chicken and waffles. 
and he whoever was hanging with him that night would also have chicken and waffles. Chicken so you were getting breakfast because it'd be like three or four o'clock in the morning, but at the same time you're having something substantial like the chicken. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Paul Robeson. Paul Robeson. Yeah, yeah. I have to yeah. look that up. I, you know, I spent many years uh, bartending yeah. when I was younger, and uh, I know that that plight that when you get off at like four between two and four in the morning, by the time you get out of there, you, you're torn because you know yeah. you've been working all night. You feel like you should have supper, but at the same time, you're about to go to bed, so you might as well have breakfast and sleep through. And yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. that's amazing. That's so, yeah, so no, yeah. obviously it's uh, slowly working its way into Canada here. So. <laughs> 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 the uh, the next one is to register an URL. So uh, in the name of love, uh, in, of course, the age of online dating, uh, it only makes sense, of course, that a 20-something would take their internet uh, or their love uh, for both uh, a, a woman and the internet seriously and had created the website and registered nygirlofmydreams.com. And basically, he did this in order to track down a cute brunette that he had fancy uh, that had with really fancy braided hair uh, and rosy cheeks uh, that he had, of course, uh, met in Brooklyn uh, on a train. And um, within 48 hours, uh, this uh, this gentleman had basically found the young lady in question. Uh, so I, I got to tell you, that's it's not only amazing, um, you know, <laughs> with online dating, uh, I got to tell you that that was Pretty, pretty amazing. That's, to, in, that's impressive. Yeah. That's very impressive. In 48 hours. And what else is impressive is the girl actually came back. Yeah, exactly. So there was a connection. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's very impressive. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've been out on some dates where the girl never wants to see me again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Over, out, forget it. Yep. Not enough margaritas in the world to help you out. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was the uh, I saw a sign uh, in a, uh, a local pub that said, um, uh, I think it was alcohol uh, been making people pretty since uh, 19 uh, or sorry, 1842 or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, that, that would be true. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Good old beer goggles. Um, the next one, of course, was to cry about it on YouTube. Now, this this is one of those things that, uh, you know, I love social media in certain ways. I love it for being able to reach out to people, to stay connected with a lot of people from my past and stuff. Um, and unfortunately, one of the reasons I don't like uh, frequencing uh, social media is because I find that it is one of those things that people use as their personal dumping ground. Uh, you know, they, they have a tendency to share a lot of their negative things. And uh, I don't know, I guess it's uh, maybe I'm more of a, a half a glass kind of full person, but I prefer that, hey, you know, if you're celebrating something, if you got nice things to say, this is a good thing to share it amongst friends and stuff, uh, not to air your laundry. But uh, this person, uh, of course, had uh, used it to, uh, I guess, uh, well, let's let's read on here. It says uh, not, to, not only to... Um, uh, not to be outdone with, of course, using the web to get what you want. Uh, but uh, also, uh, Kelly Summers uh, had uh, decided to pay a surprise visit to a long-distance love of her life and uh, only to meet his roommate his long and uh, his, of course, longtime girlfriend. Uh, shortly thereafter, uh, basically, Talis had paid Summers to visit and announce, uh, uh, sorry, to announce that he was now a single man, but then took off for home again 10 days later. Uh, reeling from the betrayal, Summers set up a fr the Froglet Diaries, uh, to which she described as a self a self help video series uh, on YouTube to deal with the breakup. 
Uh, it didn't take long for her videos to gain, uh, of course, some dedicated followers. Uh, of course, being uh, the the young man being one of them, and uh, you know he couldn't believe the devastation he had left behind. And uh, of course, they had gotten back together once he realized how much she truly loved him. So, uh, I, right. you, you know what? I, it's one of those things that where I think someone used it as a negative and turned it into a positive. So that's that's fantastic. Uh, what else have we got? I'm still surprised when people take pictures of their dinner <laughs> that they cannot share with you and they put it on social media, you know, like, look what I'm eating. Well, how does that help? Right. I'm, are you I'm just, over here, you know. Exactly. Are you just teasing me with your delicious supper while I uh, have to sit here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah exactly. Uh, I never got that. I never understood that. I know. It's so weird. Paul Richmond, uh, yes, uh, of course, a great guest. I mean, oh, man, Ted is, 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 we, Ted's got some chicken and waffles. Look at that. He, he's also a good, uh, I think he's going to no, go out and get some chicken never, and waffles. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Say, <laughs> what city are you in? Anthony, what city are you in? We're in uh, Kingston, Ontario. Yeah, see, uh, in Los Angeles, we have a place called Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. And there's like three or four of them around town. And up in Harlem, they have Wells Chicken and Waffles. So there, you know, we've got to introduce this. Uh, You've got the possibility of a franchise there, Anthony, if you... uh, I gotta you know, tell you, Anthony's chicken and waffles. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm really gonna have to think about that because it, it surely, uh, surely is taking off. Uh, number six, to steal a moon rock. So uh, the simple answer to say that uh, I did it for love. Uh, an aspiring astronaut turned convict, uh, Thad Roberts told CBS News that Mo Rocca, uh, when asked about his reasons for stealing the safe containing a 21 million dollars worth of moon rocks uh from nasa basically said he did it because he wanted to be loved uh he continued by saying i wanted someone to know that i literally cared about them so much that i would to have the symbol that reminded uh sorry to remind me of it unfortunately that someone in question was not robert's doting wife but a 22 year old intern who of course had uh, aided him in the heist uh, who he had, of course, just met three weeks earlier. Uh, the, uh, of course, the, they had uh, the author, uh, Ben Meritzik, uh, who authored the Bringing Down the House and the Accidental Billionaires, wrote all about, uh, of course, uh, Roberts in his 2011 book, Sex on the Moon. Who knows? <laughs> you know, I thought he was going to go with that and say, uh, you know, when people say I'd bring you the moon for love, that's where I thought they were going with that. And uh, clearly it was not. <laughs> I'm over the moon. Yeah. That's yeah. what his wife said. I'm over the moon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got, of course, uh, number seven, to st- <laughs> to set your loved one's crotch ablaze. <laughs> so when uh, Berna, sorry, Ber- Berlinda Dixon uh, Newhold wasn't getting uh, enough attention she wanted from her boyfriend, Sheldon Gonzalez, she decided to take matters into her own hands uh, by setting the crotch of his pants on fire while he slept. Uh, you have a tendency to get upset when people do something like that. Uh, Gonzalez had, uh, of course, told Fort Lauderdale's uh, F- uh, WFOR-TV. Um, he felt that uh, the heat, I felt the heat going up my crotch. And then I just reacted uh, that she was right over top of me. Uh, luckily, he was able to extinguish his pants before any serious injury. However, as one could imagine, that was a very quick end to that relationship. 
Well, you know who her aunt was? No. Lorena Bobbitt. <laughs> she said, no, I won't do that, but I'll set it on fire. Exactly. For those of you who don't know who Lorena Bobbitt is, Google the name and you'll see what Anthony and I are talking about. <laughs> exactly. Brings also new term to crotch pock cooking. So. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, wow. There you go. Yeah. Now this next one is super bizarre. Uh, it is titled to throw lie in one in your beloved's face. Now, oh. get get ready for this. Uh, getting involved with a married man, of course, is always a recipe for uh, romantic complication, which was a lesson that Linda Reese learned the hard way. Uh, she, of course, was uh, then 21 years old and began dating a lawyer, uh, Birch Park, um, Pergich, uh, who was a married father of one. Reese knew about his occupation, but he didn't know about his family and promptly uh, dumped him. So he allegedly retaliated by paying a few thugs to go throw lie in her face, uh, blinding her in one eye and causing permanent scarring. Uh, the lawyer, of course, was denied uh, any involvement in the attack, but was jailed and served 14 years uh, in prison for the crime to which he regularly wrote to Reese. Upon his release, uh, of course, uh, he divorced his wife and married Reese. Two years later, they co-wrote a book uh, aptly called A Very Different Love Story. And, uh, uh, <laughs> and of course, they had made a documentary and film about it called Crazy Love. So um, I got to tell you, that's that's some balls to to have someone basically disfigured, then to go to prison for it, but then start writing to them. <laughs> and and then I guess to get back together. So I don't know who was crazier. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like Stockholm syndrome. You know what I mean? Just a little bit. Uh, you're in a jail cell, and that's your, you know. Yeah, yeah. You you're you start identifying with the the act that yeah. you're put away for. Yeah. My goodness. Maybe. Yeah. That's kind of rough. That is. Don't you have any happy stories in there, Anthony? <laughs> well, this is all about kind of the crazy things yeah, people have done. They're all bizarre but, uh, so far. Yeah. Well, huh? let's let's see the next one. This one's escape from jail. So <laughs> this this could be happy. Um, one might describe, of course, California, California, Santa Cruz County Jail as Craig Sosa's second home. Uh, the then 34 year old was being booked for his 22nd stint behind bars uh, at this particular penal institution when he made a not so bold escape. And the you know, some people think that, uh, you know, p potentially the guard had let him out. But uh, his reasons was that he was worried how his wife might react to all the time he had been spending in prison. Uh, he wanted everyone to know that he did it for love. And uh, so, yeah, there, there's something, you know, he he was worried about someone else. He escaped and, and went back to his wife. Uh, of course, they didn't state anything about him being rearrested, but uh, I'm pretty sure that. Uh, yeah, I'm sure apprehended. Where's the first place they're going to look? Right. <laughs> After he's his been. His wife, maybe his mom, but definitely <laughs> his wife. Exactly. That's the first place. Oh, my goodness. So this next one, uh, brace for this one. It, number 10 is to go on a fecal rampage. <laughs> so. This is called Snoopy in the backyard. What is this? A beagle rampage? <laughs> well, this one is uh, to keep this one short. Basically, uh, the phrase fecal rampage sort of says it all. But uh, exactly uh, how the police had witnessed and described this went down uh, in Staten Island 
was uh, that, of course, an aspiring rapper, uh, Rasheen Harrison, stripped naked and defecated on the uh, in the elevator of his pregnant girlfriend's building. Uh, Then he decorated her front door with it. Uh, His explanation was she stole my cell phone. I had uh, it had uh, sorry. I had a yellow lighter. Uh, I set it on fire and uh, the police kind of figured that it sounded reasonable. (laughs) um, I don't know about reasonable. (laughs) That thing thinks to high heaven to me. (laughs) Oh my goodness. How reasonable that is. Anthony, Anthony. Oh my goodness. Uh, Yeah. Well, you know, when they say crazy for love, I mean, I think they were really stressing on the crazy on this one. Um, the, the last one, uh, was to cut off your tattoo and mail it to him. (laughs) Cut off your tattoo. That's what it says. So, uh, apparently if Johnny Depp's romantic history has taught us anything, uh, it, that's getting your loved one's name tattooed across your body is no way to ensure the relationship will last. Um, well, Depp's solution, of course, was to simply morph, uh, Winona into, uh, uh, the the 26 year old uh, Londoner ta- Torres Reynolds, uh, of course, had come up with a more gruesome plan. Uh, he basically d- went to scalp. Uh, sorry, he took to scalping uh, his own or sorry, her own arm to remove the tattoo entirely. Reynolds then sealed it up in a jar, wrapped it up in a nice, pretty uh, wrapping paper and, and mailed it to her ex. The worst part was the tattoo read. Chopper's bitch. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Um, I, I think she she might want to reconsider her dating <laughs> if that's the case. Well, the other thing is, you know, if you've been with someone, you get a tattoo, then you go to the artist and you say, "Make me a dragon out of this, or a tiger, or a lion, or a unicorn, or a <laughs> right? heart, something." You know. You do the Not cover up. Exactly. This yeah, isn't... yeah, yeah. You do the cover. <laughs> this isn't the day where you're you're getting out of gang and they take it off with a cheese grater. <laughs> you have options now. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. so... Wow, that's rough. Oh, so <laughs> with the the crazy behind us now, uh, let's talk about you and of course uh, some of the wonderful things you've done. I, I notice over your shoulder, of course, that you've got a picture of Shakespeare, and we were speaking earlier about Othello, which is something, of course, that uh, you are well known with. So yeah, uh, actually, I I was directing an episode of Love Boat and Lynn Redgrave, who is a big deal in uh, London, and also she comes from an acting family, uh, Lynn Redgrave, Vanessa Redgrave, and their father, Michael, Sir Michael Redgrave. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, she uh, convinced me to go to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. I went there, and they insisted that I do the title role in Othello, and I started getting into that, and I actually ended up doing it in Los Angeles a couple of years later, and we filmed it and made it into a movie. And um, it's really, uh, 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 I've been involved with Shakespeare since I was 14. Okay. And during this pandemic, I wrote a play about Shakespeare Hmm. called uh, Shakespeare Over My Shoulder. Convenient. And what there's a 400 year old mystery as to who really wrote 
the Shakespearean plays. Some people say William Shakespeare. Some people say there are other poets and playwrights of that era Uh that they think might have written it, not the guy from Stratford-upon-Avon. And so what I did was I got all of these books and went through these books and read the historical uh, information and the evidence on that, and I fashioned it into a play called Shakespeare Over My Shoulder. It's on YouTube right now. And what it is that the main four or three candidates are Francis Bacon, uh, Edward de Vere, and Christopher Marlowe. So there was a time when Shakespeare was first starting out and he was just a hungry actor uh, in the 1500s with the first pandemic, um, the the plague, the Black Plague. And he goes to this tavern And what I do is I give you information in a humorous, adventurous way of Shakespeare encountering these other three guys that were also playwrights. Okay. And then I let you draw the conclusion as to whether or not you think these guys could have written the Shakespearean plays. And I take some plays. I take the plays of that time that were done at that time, and we examine those plays and these uh, four characters take on the plays. So uh, if you want to see it, it's on uh, it's on um, YouTube. And later this year, I'm going to publish a book which will be on Amazon. Okay, wonderful. Of three of I have three Shakespearean themed plays and. Uh, if you can't remember, it's going. The book is going to be called Shakespeare Over My Shoulder Trilogy. Okay, uh, awesome. Uh, and if yeah. any, if and if yeah. everybody ever wonders what it was, uh, they just have to come back to this video and notice that Shakespeare is over your shoulder. And that should is keep... over my shoulder appropriately <laughs> enough. Exactly. And the other thing that I'm doing that is coming fairly quickly is on February 19th. That's a, not long from. That's a week from today. A week from today. Yeah. February 19th. Uh, I directed a play for the American Stage Theater Company in St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. And uh, they're going to be streaming a play that I directed called Satchmo at the Waldorf. And um, uh, if you go on AmericanStage.org, you can see this play for uh, starting a week from today, and it'll be on for uh, till the 28th of February and for kind of Black History Month. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is it's the life of Louis Armstrong. Oh, amazing. I'm, I'm a huge Louis Armstrong. Yeah. I love, love his music. So, uh, and, Yeah, and- yeah. He's amazing. And the play is very amazing. I got an actor named L. Peter Callender, who is just brilliant in this part of Louis Armstrong. Oh, very cool. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really funny. Um, you know, a lot of my kids, of course, uh, and, and, you know, I'm one of those people that have kind of always moved with the times with music, but I have got this old uh, romanticism period for like old jazz and, uh, you know, the 40s. And I feel like maybe I was born in the wrong time period. Um, but my youngest, of course, when she can't go to sleep, I, I hum old jazz music to her. And that's that's how she goes to sleep. Oh wow! So, Isn't yeah. that great? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's. Um, I, well, I, you're gonna love this then because it's a history of Satchmo, Louis, mm-hmm. and he was one of considered by 
like 99% of the jazz musicians, he is the father uh-huh. of jazz and what his contribution to the music, both as a trumpet player and as a singer. Because uh-huh, uh-huh. he started scatting and he taught Ella Fitzgerald how to scat. Yeah. And Bing Crosby, he taught Bing Crosby how to scat. He's the guy. He is. Yeah. He is the man. So yeah. that's what the play goes into. My my favorite song, of course, uh, is uh, with uh, Louis and um, Ella Fitzgerald doing uh, "Summertime." It's just something about that song. Uh, it just yeah. it just gets right into your soul and uh, makes you uh, feel yeah. what it would be like on a, a hot summer night or something. And I I just I just love it. So yeah, yeah so yeah, no, it's a great song. Too. Yeah, great it, song. It really is. So uh, we were talking about, uh, of course, uh, Shakespeare and how uh, you've wrote uh, written this uh, you know uh, play for him to enter into a bar. So let's let's enter into the obvious question and of course that is your character of isaac washington as the world's most popular bartender um and 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 what really gets me is like so i have to admit um i i watched love boat of course uh, as a as a kid and Isaac Washington was my favorite character. So whenever he came up and he turned around, oh, I was like, wow. hey, you know, like that was my favorite yeah. moment. And uh, and I remember uh, we always watched them and, uh, you know, uh, Captain Steubing, of course, being like a huge popular name and, and people always remembered Gopher because it was like the first time. But to me, Isaac was the coolest guy on the whole ship. And of course, between uh, good spirit and great advice. Uh, I felt like that was the moment you waited for on the show. So, so it's, it was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting seeing how your character, of course, has obviously been so popular that even to something as, uh, you know, Charlie's Angels and um, the Cleveland show even is still saying yeah. Isaac was the coolest. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And there's another cartoon show about space. What is that? I was on. I did. I actually did the voice on that one. Uh, no, I didn't do the. I did the voice on the, the Charlie's the Cleveland, Cleveland show. I did the voice, but there was another one um, where they had Isaac's head, just his head. Do you know? What you, oh, from space, Futurama. Uh, Futurama. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they had Isaac on Futurama. <laughs> you know. It's so amazing. Somebody got my paycheck because they didn't call me to do my own voice. I'm a little upset about that. Really? <laughs> I, I am really surprised, uh, you know, considering, um, you know, it, clearly Isaac Washington created such a buzz that that he continued, like you continued to play that car- part in so many other films. So obviously when they needed a bartender, yeah. they had to bring in Isaac Washington mm-hmm. for this. So, I, I mean, that yeah. is that is an amazing thing to play a character on the love boat and and your character wasn't i would say like for me it was a huge part but on the the grand scheme of of course the whole show you only got to see isaac maybe once or twice and it was still such a a captivating character that people wanted to continue to cross your character through other shows and films so that must have been a, a pretty amazing for you well, it was, a ro- it was a rotation, Anthony. So what would happen is you'd have an episode for Gopher would be prominent, then an episode for Doc, then an episode for Julie McCoy, then the captain, mm-hmm. then the captain's daughter, then me, you know. So uh, it was a rotation. Okay. And uh, so depending on when you tuned in, you know, you either saw a little bit of me or you saw a lot of me. Yeah. And uh 
but that was the fun of doing the show because then when we traveled, if I wasn't in the rotation and we were in China, I could see China on my day off, you know? That's really cool. I could go to Hong Kong or Japan, Tokyo, whatever it was, wherever we were traveling when we did our big specials, you know, because uh, we would rotate. We mm -hmm. would rotate. And, and Fred Grandy, who played Gopher, he and I usually hung out together and we we had some real adventures we were in greece and uh, he ordered calamari now i'm from oakland i'd never heard of calamari and we're in greece we're in athens and we're sitting on the shore of a beach in greece and it's a little outdoor cafe and he orders this calamari and i said fred what's calamari he said well it's squid Fried calamari squid. I said, oh, that's that sounds terrible. <laughs> right. The waiter brings this plate of calamari to the table. And I'm watching them eat it. And they got a couple little things with the uh, legs. And then they got a couple little things that look like onion rings. Yep. You know, they're around. And so I'm watching them eat it. He said, oh, man, these are good. Ted, you got to try this guy. Said, no, 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 no. <laughs> but then... I looked at the ones that look like onion rings. I uh -huh. said, well, let me try that. And I tried that. So you have to imagine, the first time I ever had calamari was on a beach in Athens with Fred Grandy. And I called the waitress over. I said, hey, uh, let me <laughs> let me have a plate of that. That is really good. Yeah. But that was, the, you know, we had a lot of fun with each other. Because we liked each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And to this day, I mean, Fred and I, uh, two years ago, we did a play together in Syracuse, New York. We did a play called I'm Not Rappaport, about okay. an old black guy and an old white guy in Central Park in New York. And it's a very funny play. But Fred and I, we have a great sense of comedy mm -hmm. for him and he for me. So we understand, and we're as an actor, which isn't always the case, we're generous with each other on stage, okay. just as we were on television. So we did that, and uh, it was a big success in Syracuse because you had a lot of Love Boat fans coming out to see Gopher and Isaac live in a play, mm -hmm. and we did really well. Yeah, that very very cool. Uh, you know, and it, it's great. It's great to see that uh, you know the two of you not only spent a lot of time on on camera back then, uh, but are still good friends today and and still working together. Oh yeah. So yeah. it's it's really nice. Do you find that, uh, of course, you you still hold on to relationship with a few of the other people that have uh, were on the show, or all of them, all of them. Oh, good. All of them. Uh, uh, Bernie, I write plays, as you know, and uh -huh. Bernie appeared in one of my plays. Uh, we have. We had an actor named Robert Pine. Robert Pine was on Chips. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You heard of Chips oh, back I, in the day? I was a fan anyway, of Chips he's as well. a good buddy of mine. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris Pine. Do you know who Chris Pine is from Star Trek? Yeah. Yeah. It, are, that's Robert's son. Oh, okay. I didn't know they were related. Oh, that's amazing. And he used to come. Yeah. And I would put Robert in all of my plays. And Chris was a little teenage kid coming to see his dad in my shows. Mm -hmm. So I, I always tell him, I say, hey, you know, I feel like I'm partly responsible. Your dad is partly responsible, but I feel like I'm partly responsible, <laughs> too. Because you used to come see plays in your formative years with your dad in them. Yeah. Anyway, Robert got sick or he had got a job. I think he got a job. Yeah. He got a, like a big paying movie job. And so I called up Bernie. 
Okay. And I said, Bernie Coppell, listen, uh, and he had seen the play. I said, I want you to do this part in the play and uh, we'll, we'll have some fun. And we went to a theater festival in North Carolina, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And Bernie was fantastic. And he's my friend and he took all the reviews. Uh, it was, it, we had a great time. So Jill has done one of my plays who played Vicky, the captain's daughter. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She did a play of mine and Tweez and I did Taming of the Shrew. Oh, nice. And she played Kate uh-huh. and I played Petruchio. Oh, wow. And we had a ball. We had a ball. We did that in Reno, Nevada. So, you know, I'm still friends with everybody. That's, I'm still friends amazing. with everybody. Do, do you find that? Yeah, yeah. Um, they, sorry, I was going to ask you, uh, do, do you find that uh, you enjoy being on stage more than film? No, no, I like them all. Do you? Okay, good. I just don't want to be a, I, I don't want to be a plasterer. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> someone says, hey, we'd like you to be in this movie. I'm there. Yeah. Hey, we'd like you to be in this play. I'm there. Hey, we want you to help us plaster our house. <laughs> no. Exactly. Um, I think I got a my dad I I got a was part. A plasterer. <laughs> okay. My, my dad was the plasterer. I used to go to work with him all the time. And so oh. I said, Hey son, are you gonna take over the business? I said, No, Dad, this is back backbreaking work. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I like that other thing that you do. He says, what other thing? When you go to the theater and you're in those plays at the theater, I like that. That's what I want to do. So he said, oh, okay. And so, you know, once I got that straight with my dad, then I was good to go. That's good. You know, he can't really argue, right? Because, I mean, in the end, you still want to follow in his footsteps. So uh, it it may not be uh, under the the traditional stance, but (laughs) that's really good. Yeah, that was his hobby. That's not his living. That oh, was wow. his hobby. Very, yeah. very good. Oh, so that's good. Um, now, before we go, I mean, clearly, I, I, I think you've got so many parts and so many things that you've been in uh, that there is not enough time in one show, of course, to go through all of them. Um, but uh, one thing, of course, we we love to uh, to do, of course, is ask some questions and uh, and get to know you as the person a little bit more. So I've got uh, 20 okay. quick questions here. And... I'm ready to rock and roll, Anthony. Excellent. Rapid fire questions. So uh, the question number one is, what made-up word would you register into the English language? What made-up word? Yep. So I have to make up uh, a word. Yeah. Okay. I would say false blackness. Is it, it, what, what would be the definition of that? Uh, uh, someone you think is black turns out really not to be. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Love All it. Blackness. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Question number two. What is the scariest dream you've ever had? I I have a dream. This is a recurring dream. I have a dream that someone's chasing me and there's backyards. I'm hopping over backyard fences. And uh, my one of my in-laws, I was telling this at a Thanksgiving dinner. I said to one of my in-laws who was a cop. And he said, I said, you know, I have this recurring dream that someone's chasing me. And he said, well, what did you steal? And I go, I didn't steal anything. I just, 
feel that someone was coming after me. I always feel people are after me, you know. Yeah. Could be a fan. It doesn't have to be that I stole some. Oh, he's, oh, yeah, I guess that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's my scariest dream. That's funny. All right. Uh, scary, of course, but that's that's interesting that uh, th- that would be the first thing the family would jump to. So uh, question number three, yeah. what superpower do you wish you could have? I like to fly. Okay. No question. Yeah. I don't want to fly. I want to just. And, you know, sometimes when I was on Love Boat, I used to have dreams of flying. Really? You know about that? No. When there's a certain success that uh, someone else told me, there's another actor told me this that was very successful. Mm-hmm. It says uh, when uh, oh, Dick Van Patten, Dick okay. Van Patten, you know who that is? Yep. He told me this. He says when an actor achieves a certain kind of thing, sometimes you'll have dreams of flying. And that's I certainly did. I had dreams of flying. Wow. That's really cool. But yeah, yeah. And yeah. yeah. Those are dreams. I that, like I, I super love things like that. Uh, the one I hate the most is when I have dreams where I've got a massive briefcase of money and I put it under my bed and I wake up and it's not there. That that is the worst thing for yeah, me. That's, <laughs> so. that's the kind of tough thing. Yeah. Kind of, hey, have you ever been sleeping and then when it gets to be you're almost about to wake up? Have you ever done this? Oh, like that? Yep. Yeah. I, I I don't know what causes that, but that is your soul coming back into your body. Really? From the dream, from whatever dream you're having in your subconscious, mm-hmm. when you do that like that, soul, yeah. that's your soul coming back wow. into and is a harsh landing. You should do like that. That's what someone else told me. Another actor told me that. That's crazy. That that's that's uh, that's really yeah. cool. Like, it kind of makes me makes me wonder. I got to be more aware of that now. Yeah. I, I figure I just what had this. You, what weird... you want to do is, yeah. What you want to do is try to remember that dream. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. You know what is that? What is on your mind? What is that dream that you're dreaming that causes you when you come back to? do yeah. like that i've yeah. done that a number of times yeah i've 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 also done that a lot and uh i i think often my my wife just says well i mean she thinks i'm narcoleptic because i'm the only person that she knows that can literally hit the pillow and be asleep in like 30 seconds uh so I, hey i do that too do you i do that too yeah. i just yeah my wife goes you can sleep anywhere and i can and it's i true. can sleep anywhere yeah it, you know what yeah. for me as long as i have my pillow I could sleep on a concrete slab and I'd be totally fine. Uh, there's something is, I yeah. don't know if it's the comfort of that one particular pillow and I hope it never falls apart, but, uh, I, I can, yeah. I can always yeah. just sleep. And, and it is true through, through my whole life. Uh, you know, I've either been sick or I've been not feeling great or just tired. And I literally could sleep on a floor. I could sleep in a bathtub. I could sleep in a trunk of a car if yeah. I had to. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Standing up, yeah. you know, sitting down, laying down, whatever it is, boom, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. You, know? you have, you have yeah, no I can times. do that. <laughs> you have no idea. Nobody, no idea how times i've fallen asleep on a subway and literally traveled the full length of this circuit several times before i woke up <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so there you go what uh, number four what is your earliest childhood memory my earliest childhood memory is being on a pony they used to back in the 50s because i'm from the 50s back in the 50s there used to be someone that would travel around to different neighborhoods. And I was like, uh, and I, I'll remember this very vividly, across the street from my house, he, he bought his horse 
in front of the garage door of this house across the street from us. And you'd pay like $5 or $10 or whatever it was. He'd put the little boy or girl on the horse. You'd hold the horse and they'd take a picture of you and your family could have this picture of you on his little pony. Okay. And uh, I was crying and I had a horse like the Cisco kid. Do you know who the Cisco kid is? Uh, no, I'm, I'm familiar with Buck Cassidy and the Sunday Kid. Cisco kid. Okay, you got to go on YouTube and look up not San Francisco, okay. but just Cisco Kid. Cisco Kid. And yeah. you'll see the horse that he rode. And that's the horse. It was a, a Pinto. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's the horse that I sat on. I was like four years old or three years old, whatever it was. And they gave you a little cowboy, take <laughs> the little cowboy hat on you. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the Cisco Kid was a Mexican hero. Okay. He was a Mexican cowboy. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end of every episode, Cisco Kid, who was played by an actor named Duncan Ronaldo, turned to Poncho, who was his sidekick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, this is back in the 50s, so they had sidekicks then. Yeah. And he would say, they'd have the adventure, they'd solve the problem, and then Duncan Ronaldo, as a Cisco Kid, would turn to Poncho and he'd say, Ah, Pancho. And Leo Carrillo, who was playing Pancho, would say, Oh, Cisco. And then they would ride off into the sunset. (laughs) I love that. I love that. That was my little hero when I was a kid. That's right. Ah, Cisco. Ah, (laughs) Pancho. And they'd ride off. I love it. Cowboys, Cowboys in the 50s. That was 50s and early 60s. Uh, when I was coming up, when I was a kid, the Cowboys were Wild Bill Hickok, mm-hmm. uh, Wild Bill Hickok, Kit Carson, the Cisco Kid, uh, Red Rider. These were all the Cowboy heroes. Hopalong Cassidy. Yep. These were all the Cowboy heroes. And then later on, you got into Maverick and, you know, yeah. those guys. Yeah. But when I was a little kid, on Saturday morning, you would see Wild Bill Hickok. Yeah, I'm, I'm with to... Andy Devine, and Andy Devine did not shoot his gun. Let me see. He did yeah. not shoot his gun like that. He did not shoot his gun like this. You know. Okay. Yeah. Well, hold on. Let me see. I can yeah, show you. you he did not shoot his gun like that. He shoot. He threw bullets, so he would go like this. That's launch <laughs> it out where it's like casting know, a casting he, a rod. That's how he shot his gun. <laughs> he shot his gun like that. And I thought that was cool. He was throwing bullets yeah. at the bad guys. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. Andy Devine. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Question number five. What makes you happiest? Uh, Well, I married a very nice lady. And sometimes, uh, you know, you you remember uh, the Jack Nicholson movie where he says, you make me want to be a better man? Yes. Do you remember that movie with Helen Hunt? Yeah. Yeah, that's who my wife is. My wife is is a woman that makes me want to be a better man. Okay. And uh, so, and 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 sometimes when she says little things like, you know, I'm proud of you for this or I'm proud of you for that, that's like really cool. Okay, that's nice. That's like really that's cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah, she's she's really a beautiful lady, and uh, thank goodness. Uh, I don't know why, but she picked me. 
I wanted her to pick me. I don't know why she picked me, but I'm glad she did pick me. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I feel the same of Alaya. Same way about my wife. She's she's uh, uh very much the same way and it always means a, a lot when yeah. uh, when she's happy for for some of the things that I do. So <laughs> not all the things that yeah. I do, but some of the things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What foreign language would you like to learn the most? French. French. Ah. <laughs> I'd love to learn French. Excellent. Actually, my wife speaks French and she speaks French better than I do because I don't speak it at all. But we watch French movies together. I like to watch French movies because okay. she's getting a more of an insightful thing on it than I am. But uh, have you seen this thing, Lupin? Uh, on Netflix, I saw the I saw the card for it. I was just thinking that looks like it might be a neat show. Yeah, it takes place in France, and it's fun. Okay, it's a fun show. But so I like to go find a French movie, and then uh, my wife and I will share the movie together. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Lupin. Yeah, yeah. I, it's based off of a, 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 a character in French literature who was a gentleman thief. And okay. that is a modern day version of Lupin. Oh, nice. And okay. he's a, yeah, yeah, he's a French thief. Oh, so nice. it's fascinating to watch. But Very yeah, cool. so we share things like very cool. It was it was really neat because I just saw that the other day and I was thinking, uh, you know, I've got some some time to myself this weekend that I might uh, sit down and start watching it. So that's really cool. It's good to know that it, it's it's a good show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, put that on your list and put imposters on your list. Okay. Both on Netflix, Imposters and Lupine. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you what Imposters is about. Okay. Well, should I tell you a minute or what? Yeah. Should I just tell you the opening? Yeah. Give Give, give me Give me the, the teaser. Opening? Give me something that's like that's going to get me into this. I'll give me the teaser. This is it. Okay. Imposters guy just got married. Jewish guy, beautiful girl. Girl has a French accent, as a matter of fact. In this, okay. He's got married, and he's giving her a wedding gift anniversary gift every day and it's the first 28 days okay so he goes to a uh pet store and the 29th gift is going to be a little puppy goes to a pet store and this is the dog i want gives him the credit card the guy runs the credit card and he says hey uh won't take your credit card he says oh we'll try this card he gives him another runs it no it's not taking it he says, well, I'm going to go down to the ATM and uh, to hold the dog. I'll be right back. He goes down to the ATM, has no money in his account, cleaned out. Wow. And he goes home to tell her, you know, tell his wife, uh, there's no wife. The wife is gone. And she leaves him a message on his computer. And in this beautiful French accent, she tells him she took all of his money. Oh, and man, that thing is off from there. Where the guy go? He he's now he's trying to realize all the things that went into, you know, their romance and everything, and it's all a lie. Oh wow, it's funny. That's cool. It's funny. That that definitely yeah, sounds like it's going to be a good. So watch. Upset. He's so upset that he's going to commit suicide is knock on the door his fbi fbi agent comes in and says do you know this woman and the guy goes yeah that's my wife and the fbi goes no that's my wife <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> that's all i'm gonna tell okay, you okay that's but awesome it. it's 
really good. It's binge worthy. If you can get into the sec second episode, you can't stop. Okay, good. You just, you just can't stop. Excellent. The writing's good. The acting is good. It's a it's a fun show. Perfect. Imposters, you said, right? Okay. I'm gonna check that Imposters out. Imposters and Lupine. And Lupine. Excellent. Uh, question yeah. number seven. What decade would you like to live in most? Hasn't come yet. I'm, okay. I'm still waiting on these decades. You know, I mean, I got through the 50s. I got through the 60s, made it past the 70s, developed in the 80s, the 90s, 2000, 2010s. Now we're in there. I'm waiting for this stuff to, you know, clean up its act here. You know? <laughs> exactly. Some of those, some of those uh, decades were pretty rough, Anthony. Mm -hmm. They you know, I mean, the Vietnam War, you know, we protested the Vietnam War and the yeah. kids in the South that went through stuff. And, um, and then the 70s, it's it's been pretty rough. So I'm I'm still waiting. I'm looking ahead to the future. All right. Good. Well, I mean, if Futurama taught you anything, at least there's uh, always a chance. So, <laughs> yeah, there's always a chance. Look for the future. Yeah. What uh, what was the first movie that ever made you cry? The first movie that ever made me cry. There's been a couple of them. I, I can't, I'm not sure about the first one that tapped me emotionally. I will tell you what is my, one of my favorite movies mm -hmm. is uh, The Godfather. Okay. And I'm always quoting The Godfather. I mean, I just absolutely love the Godfather, you know, um, it was powerful. Leave yeah. the gun, take the cannoli. You know what I mean? I'll make him an offer. I can't, he can't refuse. I mean, I just, it's such a quotable movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so much came out of that movie. Just business. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. Very man. Cool. And do you know they're making a movie about the making of that movie? No, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Oscar Isaac is going to play Francis Ford Coppola. Okay. Yeah, and I can see somebody. It. Oh, Jake Gyllenhaal is going to play Robert Evans, because you know they, you know, he had a big problem. They didn't want Brando. They didn't want Al Pacino. So, that someone has written a movie about the making of The Godfather. Wow, you know, and so I can't wait to see that because uh, I'm a movie buff. You know, okay. I mean, I read all about Spielberg and uh, Lucas. And you know the whole Star Wars thing, how he oh, how man. he got that. You know, Universal had access to Star Wars, mm -hmm. and they turned it down. Man, I know. And he took it over to 20th Century Fox, right? Because he had done the American Graffiti at Universal. Mm -hmm. So you think that's a no brainer? It made a lot of movies. Yeah. They didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. And so he took it over to 20th Century Fox. Then he got in trouble with completing the movie. Mm -hmm. So he gave up, I think, a percentage of his salary as screenwriter. And he took all of the merchandising stuff <laughs> for like toys and totally worth and it. everything. <laughs> yeah. And so the guy goes, the, the 20th Century Fox executive says, boy, we really screwed George Lucas on this one. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, he wanted all the toy rights and he gave us. 3% of his writing thing. So we're going to get the money off of the writing thing to complete the movie. Total opposite. Wow. The real money was in the toys and the merchandising, which he knew, yep. Lucas knew. 
and they did, they couldn't see it. Yeah, you know. So there, there's a there's a book about all of those guys: Spielberg, Scorsese, Lucas, and Coppola that talks about the new Hollywood at the time. Mm-hmm. And that was during the time I was at the American Film Institute and I was studying directing. So you know, uh, those guys are like my contemporaries, and I, I really enjoyed their stories. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge, uh, star Wars nerd. And, uh, I got to tell you, uh, I've just hearing some of the, the stories about, uh, you know, like how much of a budget it was, uh, how people didn't take it serious, how many of the actors didn't even like being in it. Uh, the fact that there was a fire and they lost so much stuff and they were able to rebuild. And, uh, it's really, it's a really cool story. If anybody has never read it, it's, uh, it's actually quite yeah, amazing yeah. that it actually went as far as it did. And um, did you see uh, man? Have you been watching Mandalorian? Oh, I love it. <laughs> it is honestly, that- it is the best Star Wars since the originals. And and um, yes, and, and to me, uh, that's it's really funny because uh, I, I can only imagine um, John Favre is it's like the people have got to be running up to the door and saying you have to do everything now like keep star wars alive keep it coming because his his process behind it the power behind behind the scenes it's just so amazing that it almost brings back your childhood again and and everything that star wars yeah. was so it's really really cool well carl weathers is a good buddy of mine oh yeah nice and he plays one of the characters in the thing and he recently got to direct uh one of the mandalorian episodes and i called him up i said carl you must have had a ball doing this. He said, Ted, it was so much fun. Because you got the, they're all the toys. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're shooting at the bad guys and at the aliens, and then you're getting chased and you're running. And you he said he had a ball. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you tell him. I like he, Star Wars. If, I like- he, if he ever has to direct mm-hmm. another one uh, to, to let me know, I will play any weird creature possible to be that that's like a bucket list for me if i could ever get into something star wars even for 30 seconds that would be my life right there i, I could die a happy man so. I, I told him he should have isaac washington tending bar in the future that would have been amazing <laughs> like a robot you know, version not of you as an alien, just as myself with gray hair and i'm in outer space <laughs> serving drinks <laughs> That would be hilarious, just like as an Easter egg. It was so good. Is that an (laughs) intro or what? The guys, the aliens come in for a drink and I serve them the drink. You know, he goes, no, no, Tim, we can't do that. I said, well, just think about it. You you totally could. That would be epic. (laughs) Yeah. So good. Uh, Which actually leads me to my next question. Do you believe in aliens? Yes. Excellent. That, that is a perfect I answer. Cannot, it, you, you look at the universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one thing that we're here, mm-hmm. you know, but you look how many planets, think about this, Anthony, how many planets are there? Yeah. Just there's these- got to be, if, the, if there's life here, you don't think there's life somewhere else? That's right. Oh, and I'll tell you another thing. I was doing Shakespeare in Boulder, Colorado at an outdoor theater. Okay, 1969. And we're sitting in the theater. It's night. We're rehearsing. And I saw a star here. I saw a star. Mm -hmm. And the star was a shooting star that went like this. And we're looking. I say, hey, look at that shooting star. And it stopped. And then it went back. 
Wow. What the hell was that, Anthony? That's amazing. That was a spaceship. It, we were sitting there, a bunch of actors just sitting there. We're doing Shakespeare, two gentlemen of Verona. And we see the star go across, stop. We said, look at that shooting star. The shooting star stopped and reversed itself and went back the other way. Oh, no. There's something out there. You know, you know how they say the truth is out there? Well, That's there's right. something else out there besides the truth. <laughs> you know, you know I, yeah, I believe it. I believe it. I always, I always yeah. joke that uh, aliens are out there and they look at Earth and it's like driving through the bad neighborhood. They're like, oh, it's Earth. Roll up your windows, kids. <laughs> you yeah, no, we're not stopping there. Keep going. Exactly. Yeah. Don't take our saucer apart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not stopping there. Yeah. Oh, nice. Then, you bury more not Keep going. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> next, yeah. next question. Uh, how would you spend $100 million? slowly as slow as i could okay you know i i treat my wife she wants a house by the beach so at 100 million i can easily afford a house by the beach Mm -hmm. can't right now uh but uh and then i would produce plays i love theater so i mean uh then i wouldn't have to hustle so much to get the money together to do my plays i've written 25 plays oh really and so i could do a play once a year for 25 years yeah you know uh and i've got some interesting play i think they're interesting plays like i was telling you about the shakespeare play and if you go to youtube there's a, a couple of my plays on there you have to type in uh you go to YouTube, type in my name, Ted Lange, and then type in Blues in My Coffee mm-hmm. or Four Queens No Trump or The Tears of Shylock. Okay. Those are three of the four plays that I have online right now. Nice. So I like theater. I like writing plays. Wonderful. And, and of course, if uh, anybody is looking to uh, invest into any of these, this is a good time to to uh, reach out to Ted and, and, and or let us know. And we'll let yeah, Ted know they, that you're looking to invest in them. call you and then you can send them on to me. Definitely. Because <laughs> it definitely sounds like there's some you got some good stuff in the works. So, um, OK, if PETA wasn't all over you, what kind of exotic animal would you like to domesticate? If what? If PETA didn't get on your case, what kind of exotic animal oh. would you like to domesticate? You're not going to see me with any animals, buddy. I'm <laughs> no. allergic. Oh, really? Okay. Cat hair, dog hair, uh, and I don't like reptiles. No, you're not going to see me with any pets. So when people get mad about the fur and all, Peter gets mad about it, you know, no, you can, I'm good with you. Okay. I'm yeah. not doing any of that. I'm not <laughs> interested in the I once went to New York to do a reading of one of my early plays. I'm in New York and they said, we'll get, we'll have a place for you to stay. I go into this apartment up in Harlem and within 10 minutes, I'm, my eyes are closing. I'm crying. My nose is running. And I said, somebody, this house has a dog. And the guy goes, yeah, how'd you know? I got to go, man. I got to get out of here. It should have been and the first so thing people ask you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh. I'm not interested in any animal, you know. <laughs> okay. And I'll tell you this. Mm-hmm. Cats, no, I don't like them. <laughs> that, is, that is a hair. well-known cat fact. 
Yeah, they know. I walk into a room. There could be 10 people in the room. They will ignore nine of those people that come right to me because, you know, they go like this. I got you, Ted. Don't I? <laughs> you know, I always wondered. It, it, that is, it's like a, one of those well-known cat things. For some reason, cats are interested in the one person who does not want to have contact with them. Uh, which makes me yeah. think that essentially cats could be little jerks, you know, like they just, they seek yeah. out and cause trouble. <laughs> so Yeah, no, they are jerks. Yeah. Cats are jerks. That's <laughs> it. The, the cat will tell you I'm a jerk. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Everybody likes dogs because dogs are like, <laughs> that's what right. Do what do you need? What do you want? Yeah, let's do anything. Cats are, yeah, cats go, hey, how you doing? I need to go, whoa, leave me alone. <laughs> right. Uh, leave you like, alone. What you got for me? Let me brush up against you. No, man, no. I do not like cats because of their hair. Cat fur, and uh, they see me coming. That could that could potentially lead us to our next question, which is uh, what gets on your nerves? Uh, you know, uh, uh, what impatience and uh, now that particularly since i'm older now impatience is one of the thing and tolerance people that don't have any tolerance mm, come on mm -hmm. i mean particularly when i see you know uh, uh sometimes people do mean things because they have no tolerance and and i i just don't like it um and then uh, that's two things uh, two things is uh, you know intolerance and impatience, and sometimes uh, when uh, people come to my door and ring the doorbell to proselytize for their religion, mm -hmm. and they don't do any research. Yeah. They just take what is given to them. Mm -hmm. They don't really know the Bible. They know what some preacher has given them, mm -hmm. and they don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they don't have the patience to sit down and re read the Bible for themselves. I had a guy. So my wife does this now because I like to argue. You can see I like to talk. <laughs> um, I, like, I like to argue. And sometimes when they come to the door to proselytize for, you know, their religion, mm -hmm. um, my wife will say, just a minute. And she'll come to me and I'll be in my office or something. She'll say, it's for you. And so I'll go to the door. Oh, boy. And so I start questioning them about, they said, we'd like you to come down. I said, where's your church? You know, and then I'll, I'll get them on things that they're not doing with their church. Like I was really outraged about the, uh, the uh, people that were in cages down in the uh, Texas and, California border, you know, and I said, well, what are you doing about all those brown people in cages? Well, we're not, we're, we're just, we're, we're not doing anything. So I said, well, then hold it now. You know, when your church does something that can help get those brown people out of those cages, then I might come down. And uh, I was talking to this one guy and I told him that Jesus was a rabbi. And he didn't know it, but he didn't like Jews. Oh, and I said, well, Jesus, well, you know, so -so, Jesus was a rabbi. Guy goes, no, he wasn't. And I go, yeah, Jesus was a rabbi. He was not. And so this guy did not do any homework. He didn't, you know what I mean? He's giddy. You realize then that he's just being told stuff 
from his minister or his pastor or you know priest whatever it is yeah and he he had never heard that jesus was a rabbi yeah yeah and i went wow <laughs> so when i was a kid when i was growing up in the bay area uh in my 20s anthony i kind of did a religious exploration to find out what my religion would be and i started out like a methodist mm -hmm. and then i went to presbyterian then i went to episcopal and then i went to baptist oh, wow. and then i went to uh, uh the black muslims were very prominent and i went to see about the muslims mm -hmm. and then after that i went into buddhism so i was searching for and judas judaism i was going to be a a Jewish person, you know, I was going to do the whole nine years. I fell in love with a Jewish girl when I was in high school mm -hmm. and uh, her father wouldn't let her see me. So I've gone, well, this can't be the right religion if they're going to put, you know, yep. chains on you. So to speak. Mm -hmm. so I, I, I went through a whole thing about the different religions and I started reading the Bible and studying and all of that mm -hmm. to figure out which one I wanted to be. They all said the same thing. They all basically said the same, love yeah. thy neighbor, you know, one to others. They all said the same thing. But the people that administered the information, that's where you got in the trouble, organized yes. religion. Yeah. And that's what the guy, so at one time I remember telling the guy, I said, I don't like this. Well, he said, Ted, that's an organized religion. You hate the religion or you hate the guy that's administrating the religion? Mm -hmm. I said, oh. Yeah. I hate the guy that's admitted, but the religion, there's no no problem with the religion. Yeah. And so what I decided was I was not going to um, be with any one religion. That's not, really interesting. Uh, Judaism, Islam, mm -hmm. or Christianity. They're not, I like all of them because they're all saying the same thing. Yes. You know, um, uh, and, and, it's all the same God. Yes. If you leave out Buddhism, Islam, Allah, is Jehovah. And yep. Jehovah is for Jews. Islam is for the darker people. And then Christianity, which is God, uh -huh. is, you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh, uh -huh. So all the stories, you can do the stories from, from the Jewish point of view, from the Christian point of view, and from the Islamic point of view. They're all the same stories. You know, and, and that's one of the reasons why I think um, all, all because, I mean, generally war is because of politics and religion. And, and I always find it so interesting because I'm just like, well, hold on here. They're, they're all trying to teach the same thing. And, and, and just because yeah. some of the players might be slightly different, you got to look past that and realize there is a universal lesson here. And, and it's be good to each other. Stop being jerks, you know, and, and yeah, I feel exactly. like that's, that's, that's what people need to yeah. start focusing on. And, um, and yeah, I, well, you think about the Crusades, the Crusades is they all, they all want that territory, that land there, uh -huh. because all of their religions came out of that land. So they started fighting each other. Yeah. But it's all the same God. That's right. It's not a different God. But it's the guys that are, the, you know, the Pope is saying, yeah, you have the right to go in there and do this, which was the Christian kings. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then uh, Saladin was saying, no, it's Islam. And then the Jews are going, no, this is our land. I mean, 
And that fight is going to come, come right on up to today. Yep. Yeah. Isn't, what isn't it amazing? Heck, like you just like, come on. Like, I, I, I don't know if it's, uh, it's, it's being open-minded, uh, or something like yourself where you went and experienced each one. Um, but, but clearly there's gotta be people who see past that and just say, Hey, we're all trying to get the same goal here. You know? And... Well, no, no, they, they, this is about power, Anthony. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's really about power. It's the, yeah. it's the Pope wants to have the power. It's the Imam who wants to have the power. It's the rabbi that wants to, you know? Yeah. And so they won't let it go when the real deal is to share the power. Yep. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what really God wants. God wants you to share the power. Yeah. But they don't want to share, but it's, it's one of the tenets of the Bible. Yeah. Of yeah. the uh, Quran. It's one of the tenets. Yeah. You know, P powerful words. It's so it's, it's fascinating. I, mean, I don't know how we got on that, but we sure did, didn't we? <laughs> we did. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, oh, if you had an option, what holiday would you remove from the calendar? Remove? Yeah. You're just like, you know what? We don't need this holiday. Um, uh, that's a good question. Valentine's Day. <laughs> you know, it's so funny considering this is our Valentine's yeah, Day episode. Should be, but Valentine's it's true. Day should be every day. You it's, shouldn't be having some special day. Exactly. Exactly. Let's, you know, tell your, your girlfriend, your old lady, or your yeah. boyfriend, whoever you are, whatever your sexual preference is, that we should be doing this every day. That's right. Not just one day a year. Yeah. You don't need one commercialized really? day to say that you love them by being told that if you That's don't buy right. them a gift, that you don't love them. So yeah, it's it's hundred yeah. percent. I'm I'm with you on that one. So <laughs> Okay. What do you do when you can't fall asleep? Oh read. Okay. That's read a boring good. book. Yeah. Put you right there. Just like a sleep <laughs> seconds. <laughs> it's Out true. in a second, man. Read read something you don't really want to read, and uh, you'll 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 go to sleep quickly. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have like three or four books, different books that I'm reading. I have one that I have to read like early in the day because if I read it late at night, I'm I'm not gonna make it. You know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, so like I like to read the actor's biography. Right now I'm reading about Diane Carroll and I'm reading about Paul Simon. Okay. Very very neat. Simon and Garfunkel. Those yeah. are two biographies that I'm reading now. At the same time, hold on here. I've got a couple of other things. Oh, disloyal Michael Cohen about uh, Trump. Uh -huh. I'm reading that. And what is this other one here? Oh, necessary Mitch exploring. Oh, here you go. This is uh, one of the books I used about uh, who wrote uh, Shakespeare. Oh, Shakespeare. Yeah. And this was one of my reference guides. You know. Wonderful. Uh, oh, yep. Kelly loves uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Yes. yes. Well, there's a, a good book about uh, Paul Simon out. There's a good biography written by Robert Hilburn about uh, Paul Simon. And it, it goes into his songs and how he did some of his songs. Okay. Uh, so let Kelly know that. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I got a number of uh, books that I, I love to uh, thumb through. 
Uh, I'm trying to think what else I could pull out to show you that I'm reading and uh, I can't find them right now. But anyway, those are those are two, Diane Carroll and um, Paul, Simon. Paul Simon. Yeah, excellent. Diane Carroll did a love boat. Yes. And she was my love interest. So uh, she oh. has, she's had a fascinating line. She just passed away recently. Uh -huh. She was, she was a very generous person. Oh, I know what I'm reading. I think you're going to like this. This, did you ever see the movie Chinatown? Uh, no, I haven't. The big goodbye. Big Chinatown. Goodbye. Okay. This is behind the scenes, Sam Watson. That's behind the scene. Man, it's it's fascinating because they go into all of the people, the writer, Robert Town, they go into Jack Nicholson, they go into Roman Polanski, they go into all of these behind the scenes. I like stuff like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Behind the scenes, the making of Chinatown. And Roman Polanski, when I was a student, 20 years old, he came to the American Film Institute when I was there. Oh, wow. And... Uh, all of these guys were asking these highbrow questions, you know, and they were, I, I kind of thought they were stupid, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they, they were pass. asking. And so I asked a question. He had, he, had, we had seen a movie of his called um, the fearless vampire killers. And I said, Mr. Polanski, I said, you have this thing in, in the mirror and so-and-so, so-and-so. How did you do that? I mean, that was fascinating to watch and he had some trick thing that he did in this mirror with the two leads mm -hmm. and he says oh now that's the kind of question i like to answer <laughs> that's these awesome. other questions are bullshit you know he said but this i'll tell you how because it was about filmmaking you know, yeah, and yeah. like one of the kids said, isn't it better to to make a movie in black and white than color? He goes, no, we don't see life in black and white. We see it in color. Yeah, it's better to make a movie in color. What are you talking? He said, well, you made so-and-so cold a second black and white. He said, I didn't have any money. <laughs> you know, so uh, anyway, uh, that was fascinating. When I was a student at AFI, we got to meet some really extraordinary filmmakers and then have almost a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, where we got to ask them questions about being a filmmaker. That's but this, so someone sent me this book. The Big Goodbye. And uh, it's really written really well, Very by the cool. way. Very cool. Well, we'll, we'll have to create a, uh, a Ted Lang book list uh, to put up for people yeah, to, to, <laughs> to get into. All right. I got two questions left. Um, one of them, of course, is I, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Movember. And, uh, and, uh, of course it being, a, a, um, you know, where men grow facial hair for, for prostate cancer, uh, for awareness and stuff like that. Would you ever bring back the, wait, wait, say this again. Men what? what have what? you, have you heard of Movember? It's, no, what is this? Oh, so Movember is a, a charity thing where men grow facial hair, uh, particularly mustaches, um, to raise, uh, awareness for prostate cancer. Wow. No, I haven't heard of this. Oh, wow. Where are they doing this? In Canada? Uh, are they definitely. doing it all yeah. in America or all over the world? As far as I'm aware, it's, it's kind of a, an everywhere thing. I mean, I definitely know it's quite popular up here in Canada, uh, but I was going to ask you, Movember. Movember, would you consider bringing back the handlebar mustache? <laughs> no, I, I, I like this little Van Dyke. I like where the mustache 
connects to the beard. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't think I would look good with a handlebar. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't think that would work for me. That, no. As a matter of fact, I know that would work for me. <laughs> well, I used to have on one point, I used to have a mustache that came down right to there. Yep. Yeah. You know, in the early episodes. Yeah. And then one day the, the makeup man, uh, he came, he says, Ted, your mustache is a little uneven. You want me to even them out? I go, yeah. And he went in and he uh, <laughs> did like that. And so the mustache, which was down to here, was now suddenly up to here. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked at him and said, his name was Larry Dar. I said, Larry. He said, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I said, no, you didn't. You didn't make a mistake. He said, yes, yes, I made a mistake. I said, you are the finest makeup man in Hollywood. They pay you a lot of money to make these women look glamorous when they come in here and they walk in looking one way and they walk out looking like a million dollars. You did not make a mistake. What happened? And he goes, yeah, the producers wanted me to tidy up your mustache so that it was, you know. And I said, well, Larry, all they had to do was ask me. And they, but they, this is back in the 70s, so, you know, they sometimes they didn't know how to relate to black you people. You, you didn't mess with a man's facial hair. <laughs> yeah, man, you know. So I said, all they had to do was ask, and I would have, you know. It would have been all right. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. The last question we have on the list is, what is the favorite podcast you've been on in the last 12 hours? Yours. <laughs> Excellent. <Absolutely. laughs> it's awesome, man. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, man. It's yours. Just amazing. So, yeah. No, no, no. It's a good time. You're, you're a very good host. Thank uh, you very much. Easy to talk to. It's been, yeah, easy it's to been talk wonderful. To. And that's how you judge it, really. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, really how you judge Our time has gone way over. I was actually having such a good time. I didn't even realize how long it is. Uh, I super oh, appreciate really? it. Oh, really? Did it go over? We did. Yes. Wow. We were an hour and 20, which I can't believe it. That's uh, that's how, how Whoa. that's how fast things were rolling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, that's quite all right. Uh, it's been wonderful. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've been super happy to have you on the show. Uh, before we go, do you do you have anything that uh, you'd like to, to pitch or any potential uh, charitable things that you're passionate no, the, about the thing is, uh, yeah is the satchmo thing which i talked about earlier with you okay that's going to start on february the 19th and it's going to run to february 28th go to americanstage.com to uh, see that and if you can check out my shakespeare over my shoulder which is on youtube mm -hmm. my name and then the title Shakespeare over my shoulder. Those oh, are the things. And for any of our guests, of course, who are listening to this after the live showing, uh, we'll make sure that uh, under our guest section, we have a wonderful picture of Ted and uh, we'll post those links up on our website as well. So uh, in the meantime, Ted, thank you very much for taking some time out of your day and coming on the show. Uh, we would, of course, uh, you know, it's with the amount of stories and history you've got, we'd love to have you back again at some point and maybe circle around with you later in the year. Well, thank you, Anthony. My pleasure. Excellent. Good thank to you. meet you. You as well. Have a wonderful day. Okay. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.
So this is a good time for us to pitch our social media. You could get us on our website. Thefap.ca. On uh, Twitter. Is the Fap 4 You can get us on Instagram. Is the Fap Podcast. Don't forget our Facebook. The Freaking Awesome Podcast. And uh, you can always reach out via email. Thefappodcast at gmail.com. I'm on the air. We on the air. We got this podcast. Ah, uh, uh, not again. Wicked sweet. <laughs>